Amen. Well, welcome. Welcome this morning, this 4th of July morning. We are outside, unless you're watching online in the comfort of your own air conditioning. I'm jealous, but I love you. Welcome. So, I don't, my name's Austin. I don't know if I said that yet. Hello. Hi. I see you waving in the back. You guys are so far away. Like, no, if this was a Wednesday night and students were here, which is who I work with, I totally, you guys would all be moving up closer. I'd be like, bring it in. I don't care if you're comfy. Come on in. I won't do that to you, though, this morning because uh, we're hot, right? We're hot. We're outside, but it is a beautiful day, and three months ago-ish, we were really, really hoping and praying for this weather to come soon, right? Like, that was totally a part of our lives. So, before we go any further, I just want to invite you guys to pray with me. So, if you would, we're just going to, we're going to bow our hearts and we're going to pray. Lord, I thank you for this time, this morning, this opportunity, God, just to come before you, uh, to be together um, in community. God, I thank you for the freedom that we have to gather, to worship you, to praise you um, freely, and God, we are so, so grateful. So Lord, we pray this morning blesses you. Um, we pray, God, that, that you open our hearts to what I believe you put on mine, um, and that is just communicated through your love. Lord, that's my prayer, um, and all that we do this morning, we glorify you. Amen. What comes to mind, what comes to mind when I say the words Holy Spirit or ghost or ghost? When I say the words spirit or ghost, what comes to mind? I think there tends to be some ambiguity surrounding these words, right? When you think of spirit, when you think of ghost, right? You might think of something invisible or mysterious. Uh, you might think of something that you can't really see, smell, or touch, right? But you know it's connected to something or someone, right? And you, you might even think spooky or evil. I don't know. Is that this concept of spirit as followers of Jesus, it is important for us it is important for us to understand because Jesus gave us his spirit. He gave us his spirit as a way to communicate, experience, and interact with him and the Father. So for the next three weeks, we are going to be diving in. We're going to be diving into the Holy Spirit. We're going to be diving into the scriptures to learn more and to better understand God's spirit. Because I think, because I think similar to my question earlier, that there's a lot of ambiguity surrounding the Holy Spirit. Right? When it comes to our interpretation of the Holy Spirit, there's, 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 there's some confusion. We don't know because primarily our interpretation of the Holy Spirit is determined by our background. More often than not, it's determined by our background. It's determined by our story. It's determined by our experiences. And all of those affect, all of those affect the way that we interact with or don't interact with the Holy Spirit. For me, like, I grew up, I don't know if any of you, did anybody here grow up with parents or grandparents that, like, referred to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost? Any, couple hands? First of all, wake up, let's go, let's, let's wake up. I know, I know it's outside, but students are way more interactive. Let's, let's get going this morning. We're here, it's 4th of July, we're about to have a ton of fun this evening. All right, so... 
If you did, I get it, all right? I, in church, what are you, that, that's weird. I don't like ghosts, right? This is strange to me. And so it definitely used to weird me out a little bit. And while preparing for this week, I discovered that there are two extremes when it comes to, when it comes to our background and our history and our story with the Holy Spirit, this idea of the Holy Spirit. One, maybe some of you grew up in churches. Maybe some of you grew up in churches and there were some practices, there were some traditions or experiences involving the Holy Spirit that just seemed strange or bizarre to you. And now that has shaped the way that you think about or interact with or don't interact with the Holy Spirit. Or two, maybe some of you grew up in churches that simply just gave lip service to the Holy Spirit, right? Like there was nothing interactive, there was nothing life-giving, there was no vitality to a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe some of you fall into those categories. Maybe you fall somewhere in the middle, which is what I imagine. I imagine you fall somewhere in the middle, and my guess is that you find yourself there, and, and you have, we can identify God as the Father. That makes sense to us. We can identify Jesus as Son. That makes sense to us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's just this illusory term in our culture, and we don't necessarily know who, how to identify with or connect with what that is. And so today, I'm just going to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to table whatever thoughts, whatever experiences or ideas you have about the Holy Spirit, and I want you guys to explore with me what the Bible, what the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit. And I want to identify what is the first thing that should come to our mind when we think of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so before we do that, I'm going to ask you guys, um, I'm going I'm to ask you guys to do multiple things during this time, but right now I just want you guys to sit as you already are, and I just want you to observe the world around you. Like, don't look at me. You can, I guess, if you want. I mean, I guess you'd, I'd, I'm part of the world around you, just like the person sitting next to you. But I want you to observe, I mean, the birds, the trees, the grass. Just sit here and observe this for a second, if you wouldn't mind. Those of you who have kids, this is going to be impossible because of the wind. Those of you who have kids, or have ever worked with kids, or who have ever been around kids, you guys know they are some observant creatures, right? They are observant, and, and honestly, they aren't, they aren't even afraid to ask you about what they have just observed, Right? They don't care who's around, who's in the room, where you're at. Like, they want to know why you look the way you do, why they look the way they do, <laughs> why the grass is green, why the sky is blue, where does the wind come from, where do babies come from? Right? Like, they're observant. And I think, here's what I think. I think that as we grow older, we become less and less observant and less and less curious about the world around us. And I actually think that this is, this is to our detriment. Right? Except for every now and again when you have to snag a picture of the double rainbow and post it on your Facebook, right? Like that happens. You got to do that. Okay. But I think it's to our detriment because I think we're just not as, we're not as fascinated by the, this vibrant, beautiful living world around us. And when you're fascinated with something, it often leads you to want to learn more about it, right? When you're interested, when you have a, a fascination with something, you want to learn more about it. And I think it's that same fascination that leads children to ask, how? 
Why? What? Where? Where does all this come from? And that's what I think we're missing. I think we're missing out on. You see, when a child, if a child were to ask Jesus or, in, or any of his contemporaries, any of these people that were just stooped in the Hebrew scriptures, like they would have been, the, their response, all right, it would have been like, what, what is this? Where does all this come from? Where does it all come from? And Jesus and his contemporaries would have responded, oh, like, what, what is, where does all this come from? What is this all about? Where does it, what makes it all happen? That's the spirit. It's the spirit. The spirit is behind all of this. What makes the grass grow and the wind blow? That's the spirit. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, because um, there's a Bible on your phone. If you don't know that, you should have the Bible on your phone. Okay, you version. it's free. I'll say that every time. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Um, we're going to be starting in the beginning, the very beginning, page one. Like, here we go, first sentence of the Bible, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, and there was light. Now I want to stop. I want to stop right here in the middle of this, in the middle of this, the beginning of creation. And I want to stop and ask the question. I want us to ask the question of who? Who? And some of you might be like, I mean, Austin, it's right here. Like, in the beginning, God, it's God. It's God. But when you read this and you really look into it, it's actually quite fascinating. So yes, we read it right here. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? But who else? Who else do we have right here? We have spirit. The spirit of God. And what is the spirit of God doing? Like, like why doesn't it just say God. Why does it differentiate between the two? Let's, let's keep going. All right, so you've got God created the heavens and the earth, and then you have this, this dark, so you have this dark, formless, watery wasteland. Does that sound like you got a place where we could all go later today and barbecue and grill and light off fireworks into the sky? No, it doesn't. This is not an environment where humans or really any sort of life could exist or live. So God created the heavens and the earth, formless and void, and then you have Spirit of God. And what is the Spirit of God doing? What is it doing? It's just, it's hovering, right? It's hovering. And this word hovering is actually only used one other time in the Bible, and it's used to describe Yahweh, God. It's used to describe Yahweh hovering like an eagle, like a bird over its nest, over its young, ready to swoop in and rescue and so you've got God creating and the spirit of God swooping in and hovering over this watery wasteland. And so before we go any further, I want to teach you guys the word for spirit in the Hebrew and in the Greek. Okay, so you, if you guys have listened to me teach, you're, you, you know you're probably going to learn a little bit of Hebrew or Greek. Okay, so the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. Ruach. Okay, you got to, like you swallowed a bug or something, or like a tickle in your throat. Ruach. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Ruach. Yeah, you got to like get a little phlegmy in there. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, ruach. All right? It's, it's God's ruach. It's, your, it's his spirit. And in the New Testament, you have the Greek word for spirit, and that's, that's pneuma. 
way easier to say, right? Numa and Numa and Ruach, they both have the same nuances and meanings. And one of those nuances, one of those, those different meanings in the scriptures is breath. It's the word breath. And so more often than not, when you see the word breath in the Bible, it's Ruach or Numa. And so, in fact, throughout all the scriptures, we often see God's spirit translated as God's breath and vice versa. Why? Because God's spirit is also his breath. And I think it's this intentional connection that the scriptures make that is pivotal in our understanding of God and his spirit. Okay, how's everybody doing? Thumbs up? Okay, great. Thumbs up. There we go. Now, while your hands are in the air, while your thumbs are up, I want you to take your hand, okay? And I want you, everybody, do it with me. Yep, everybody take your hand, and I want you to put it in front of your mouth, okay? Put it, put it in front of your face. What do you feel? What, what should you feel there? Your, thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. Your breath. You should feel your breath. What, what if you don't feel your breath? <laughs> You're probably not alive. You're probably not conscious, okay? You should feel, that is your ruach. This is your ruach. This is your breath, okay? And we all have breath. Everything around us has breath. It has ruach, okay? Every living creature. It's the principle of life. Even, guys, even the trees breathe. Did you know that? And some of you might be thinking, well, Austin, come on now. We know carbon and, uh, you know, carbon dioxide and oxygen and all these things. And I, what you are doing in that moment is you are taking your modern worldview and you are implementing it, oh, that was a little tough, into, this, into the ancient texts. You're implementing it in these ancient texts. And you have to remember that 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, this, your ruach to these authors, your ruach was this, was this mysterious, invisible thing. But it was also the number one indicator that something was alive, that something was living, that something had a source of vitality, that something had a source of energy, their breath. So when the Hebrews wanted to talk about God's inner source of life, when they wanted to talk about God's his presence, they would say ruach. They would use, they would speak of God's breath, his ruach, his inner life. But what is it? What is it that the spirit does? All right, because when we, when we left off, the spirit was just hovering, right? The spirit was hovering, so we've got the story where God's creating, okay, God creates this formless and dark, watery world, and the spirit of God is just hovering, waiting almost, right? What is it waiting for? Put your hand, in, take your hand, put it back in front of your mouth, okay? Now I want everyone to repeat after me, okay? Let there be light. Now what do you definitely feel on your hand? What did you definitely feel on your hand when you said that? Your breath. <laughs> Thank you, the back. <laughs> yes, you definitely felt your breath. Okay, so you should. What was the spirit waiting for? What was it that happened that initiated and transformed the wasteland of a world? Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
In Psalm 33, verse 6, we read, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry hosts, by the breath, by the ruach of his mouth. You see, when God speaks, it is through his word that his spirit is sent into motion. By his word, his ruach is sent. And what does his ruach do? It transforms, you guys. It moves into the darkness and it makes light. It moves into the chaos and it brings order and structure. It moves into this empty, watery wasteland that was the earth and it brings forth a garden. Just, just, just flourishing with life. And you'll, conti- and you'll continue to see this throughout the scriptures. In Genesis 2, there is a creation story that runs parallel with Genesis 1. And starting in verse 4, we read, This is the account of the heavens and the earth, and when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain to the earth, and there was no one to work the ground, because who do you need to work the ground? Humans. You need humans. Okay? So there was no one there to work the earth. There was no one there to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So where do we get our ruach? Where do humans get our ruach, our breath? You get it from God. Your life is not your own. Your breath is on loan. Your breath is on loan. Okay? It's a generous gift from your creator. In fact, all that you observed earlier, all that you, that's around us, is the generous gift of our creator. Those kids screaming over there. They're generous gifts to us. You might not see it or think about it right now, right? Or in the difficult times, but they are. It is God's generous gift to us, his ruach, okay? In one of the most beautiful poems in the Bible, Psalm 104 puts it like this. This is verse 24. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. All creatures, it continues, all creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up and they take it in. And when you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take their breath, they die and return to the dust. But when you send your spirit, when you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. The Apostle Paul, he put it like this. Put it like this in Acts The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he would need anything. In fact, it's the opposite. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And here he uses the word pneuma. Again, what I'm inviting you guys to do this morning is no matter what your understanding is of the Holy Spirit, is to consider first what the scriptures say about God's spirit. According to Paul and according to the poem in Psalm 104, it's his generous, personal, life-giving presence that is behind all life as we know it, sustaining it, 
growing it, cultivating it, keeping it going. Friends, this is not a God who wound up the world and just set it down. Yahweh is a God who is present and brings life to his creation. Yahweh is a God who provides daily for the birds, right? Yahweh is a God who dresses the flowers, every bloom. Yahweh is a God whose breath filled the laughter of my grandfather that I miss so dearly and whose breath fills the lungs of our daughter who was brought into this world. This is a God who is in the business of bringing life and vitality and energy to the world around us every single day. Now, there might be some of you thinking, actually, this might only just be me, but that's okay. Bear with me here. Maybe some of you heard all of this, right? And you're thinking, hmm, this sounds particularly similar to the force, Austin. Just me. Okay, great. All right. So, Star Wars, The Force, anyone? Yeah? Okay, we got some Star Wars fans. I like that. Right? This sounds particularly... In the, okay, so in the first movie, not episode one, episode four, because Star Wars is weird like that. All right. Um, there's this scene where the Force is being described as, as an energy field, right? It's an energy field that surrounds us, penetrates us. It connects everything. It binds the galaxy together, right? That's it. Gosh, I love Star Wars. Okay, that's good stuff. So the force, right? It's this energy field that surrounds us, it penetrates us, it connects everything. And while the spirit is very similar to the force and what it is and what it does, there's a crucial difference. Crucial difference. And it's actually the same difference that separates Christianity from many other religions and spiritualities in the world. And it's this, it's that we believe that what gives us life and breath and energy to us and the world around us isn't some unknowable, impersonal thing. That something is someone. And that someone has been made known to us in the person of Jesus. And so I want to take you guys to one last place in the scriptures, okay? This is the Gospel of Luke. Okay, and you see up until this point in the story, um, humans, humans who exist by the gift of God's ruach, have taken that gift and exploited it. They've exploited it for centuries, right? Blair referred to this in his, in his sermon a little while ago. And so they've been exploiting it. And like, like humans, referring to his message, like, we, we, we heard some messed up stuff. Like humans are messed up. We're messed up. And this world was, and in many ways still is, a dark place full of brokenness and sin and pain. And I don't have to remind you of that. Many of you know this personally. And that, that's because of us, not God. God doesn't do that. We as humans, we often make our own, our own decisions, our own poor, poor and selfish decisions that mar and destroy God's creation around us. And we see this play out in our own lives, right? As our sin and selfishness bleeds into the effects and, and affects the, the lives of those we love and those around us. And so what God does is God says, God sees the brokenness. God sees the brokenness. He sees the pain. He sees what we've done in the world around us. And he chooses to enter into the chaos. So this is, a, this is in Luke uh, 126, 
Yes, we are reading the Christmas story in July. Okay, here we go. Verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married. A man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name, was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be, right? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, right? You will, you will bring into creation. You will conceive, you will bring no, something from nothing and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus, he will be great and he will be called the son of, uh, son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary responds with a, with a good question, right? Mary responds and she's like, how will this be? <laughs> she's, she, Mary knows where babies come from, okay? <laughs> like, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. How will this be? How, how can life be created in me when there is none? And the angel answered, what did the angel say? Who will come upon you, Mary? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, okay? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And maybe you've wondered here, you know what? Why doesn't it just say God? Why doesn't it just say God there in that moment? And now you know exactly why it doesn't say God. Because the Spirit is in the business of bringing and creating life. And so you have the Spirit again entering into the darkness, right? The chaos and just hovering, just hovering overshadowing. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And this is actually, this is actually the moment in the story, um, in the biblical story, where humanity, right, while it exists on borrowed ruach, and to die spiritually. And so God, God decides to enter into the story, all right? God enters into the story, into the person of Jesus. The Father sends the Son to become a human, and the Son enters the human race through the power and life-giving presence of the Spirit. But that's not all. That's not all. This is in Luke 3, verse 21. When the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, right? That's not all. Jesus had a life. Jesus had a life here on earth, right? So when the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And when he was praying, the heavens opened. And who descended on Jesus like a bird, like a dove? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And then a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love, who I am well pleased. And so again, we just have this moment where the spirit is hovering, but now also mediating the love between God and his word, his son. And so Jesus comes out of the waters baptized. And in chapter four, verse one, we read he's full of the Holy Spirit and he's led by the spirit. And we'll get into that idea more next week. Okay. From, the, from page one, from the first page of the Bible, friends, and throughout scripture, we see the spirit of God hovering in our midst, hovering in creation, and what is it doing? Bringing life. 
And that is what today's about. The Spirit of God is about life. It's God's personal presence whose basic mission on this earth, okay, in the world is to mediate his life, God's life-giving love and energy to his creation. And it's Jesus, it's Jesus that demonstrates this for us and then later offers us to join him, offers us a new life in complete unity with the Spirit. It's as if humanity, it's as if humanity were always meant to be in tune with God. More than just breathing, more than just existing, but actually filled up and led by and connected to in a loving relationship with your creator, a relationship where the spirit enters into your brokenness of your life and mediates the love of the father and says to you, daughter, this, you are my daughter. You are my daughter whom I love with you. I am well pleased. What, doc, what, what darkness is haunting you this morning? What brokenness keeps you empty? What sin do you believe keeps you from the love of God? Can I remind you this morning what I know to be true, and that is God is here. And it is his spirit that is in the business of bringing dark to light, taking something dead and broken and raising it back to life. And your sin will continue to separate you from God as long as you continue to belittle the sacrifice of Jesus. Quit pretending your sin is too big for God. Just accept his forgiveness, friends. Cling to Jesus and let his spirit fill you and do the work in your life that only the spirit can do. The change you need, the change you desire. Can I pray for you guys? God, I thank you for this morning again. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your presence of the spirit, God. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus for us. That you, you entered into the chaos that is this world. And you said, I see your brokenness. I lived it. I experienced it. And I'm going to take that from you. I'm going to own that so that you don't have to, so that you can have this connection with God that is life-giving, that's filled with love, joy, peace, kindness, the fruit that can grow from a relationship with you, God. We're thankful for that. God, I pray for that. I pray for that this morning in my life my family's life and the, and the lives of my friends here today. I pray that we'd be open to your spirit, Lord.